You're listening to Rates and Lanes with Rico Mohammed. This is the show where we improve your knowledge of the freight market, improve your bottom line, and improve the transportation industry as a whole. We're talking Rates and Lanes. Let's move on down the audio road. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Rico Mohammed coming to you broadcasting live tonight from Kissimmee, Florida. Down here in Mickey Mouse land. Tonight we will be joined by our special guest, uh, resident mentor, as I call him, Chuck Snow. And by the way, Chuck, if you're on the line, go ahead and press number one so we can uh, get you pulled up. And as we normally always do, we're going to start out tonight. I guess we will begin with the uh, what I have started calling the bad and the ugly list on the uh, brokers that have come out this week. <clears throat> and we've got a couple of more brokers that have been added to the list from uh, since last week. And we'll just pick up from there. We have uh, Lee's Loading Service, LLC, MC number 419839. They have over $13,000 in non-payment complaints reported to truckstop.com. This is... Um, a service that is provided by truckstop.com under their credit alerts uh, system. So if you have uh, truckstop.com as one of your load boards, you uh, may possibly have access to this information depending upon your tier of uh, subscription. But uh, definitely something worthwhile in checking it out. And DAT also offers um, something similar. Uh, they have a carrier watch program that DAT offers, and it's similar to this report. I, just, I like this report. It's a little bit more clean and concise. Uh, but picking back up, we have our Specialty Transportation Services, LLC. Their MC number is 642821. Trust fund has been canceled. Over $158,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported to truckstop.com. ACS Logistics LLC or ACS Trucking LLC, MC number 850020, over $24,000 in non-payment complaints reported to truckstop.com. They are considered an extreme risk. And rounding out this week's report, GL Logistics LLC or Green Light Services LLC, MC number 861497. Over $20,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. This, ladies and gentlemen, wraps up the bad and the ugly brokers report for this week. Moving on from this report, jumping over into the report from USDA, the truck rate report for this week, we have one, two markets that are showing slight shortages, and those markets are Imperial Valley, California, and also South and Central Florida. Hint, hint. Uh, it's showing slight shortages of trucks in those areas. The only area that is reporting a surplus as of this week on the USDA report is San Luis Valley, Colorado. All the other markets that the USDA reports on are showing an adequate supply of trucks listed in their report. 
I will have a link of this report up on the Rates and Lanes Facebook page for your convenience. If you want to take time to go back and take a look at this report, uh, much more in-depth information on the report than what we actually cover here. But uh, so, if you would like to go back and take a little bit more in-depth look at this report, we'll be posting it up in there for you and your convenience on the Rates and Lanes Facebook page. And moving on over to this week's DAT Trend Lines report, we have van rates recovering by one cent per mile from last week due to big rate increases on high volume lanes. Flatbeds also added one cent. But reefer rates were unchanged as the national average. The fuel surcharge also played a role as diesel prices continue to climb. So let's dig into this report and go a little bit deeper. And starting out under, under the uh, National Dry Van Demand and Capacity Report, demands for vans increased 16% while capacity held steady last week that pushed up the load-to-truck ratio 16% to 1.9 loads per truck. The national average van rate added one cents per mile. This time last month, April ratio falls 6% compared to March. Low postings were down 9% in April. Truck postings fell 3%, which led to a 6% decline in the load-to-truck ratio from 1.6 down to 1.5 loads per truck. Compared to April of 2015, the ratio was down by 46%. Let's jump in and see how the U.S. dry van rates were performing on the spot market from May 28th, excuse me, from May 22nd through May 28th. The national average spot market rate for vans increased one cent to 154 per mile due to a one cent increase in the fuel surcharge. Outbound rates rose in Los Angeles, Chicago, but dipped in Memphis. The national diesel price for the week is $2.36 per gallon. That is a $0.06 cents increase from the previous week. Taking a look around the country, starting off in the northeastern portion of the United States, we have Philadelphia, Pennsylvania checking in, showing average rates for dry vans at $1.49 per mile. Moving down into the southeastern portion of the United States, we have Atlanta, Georgia checking in, showing average rates for dry vans at $1.76 per mile. In the Midwest, we got Chicago, Illinois checking in, showing average rates for dry vans at $1.74 per mile. Moving down into the south central portion of the United States, Dallas, Texas checks in, showing an average rate of $1.50 per mile. And out on the West Coast, Los Angeles, once again, setting the high water mark for dry vans, coming in at $2.01 per mile on average on the spot market. Moving on over into the U.S. flatbed demand and capacity report for the week of May 22nd through the 28th, the flatbed load availability declined less than 1%, while capacity increased 8% last week. That led to an 8% decrease in the load-to-truck ratio, down from 15.4 to 14.2 loads per truck. 
The national average flatbed rate rose by one cent compared to the previous week uh, because of the fuel surcharge once again. And taking a look back at this time last month, in April, flatbed load postings rose 9% compared to the previous month. Capacity dipped 11%, which resulted in a 23% increase in the load-to-truck ratio from 17.5 up to 21.5 loads per truck. Compared to April of 2015, the ratio was actually up by 1%. Moving on over to the U.S. flatbed rates report on the spot market for the 22nd through the 28th of May. Flatbed rates increased one cent to $1.92 per mile nationally due to a one cent increase in the average fuel surcharge. Flatbed demand was down less than 1% last week. Taking a look across the country, beginning in the northeastern portion of the United States, Harrisburg, Checks in showing an average rate for flatbeds at $3.03 per mile on the spot market. Down in the southeastern portion of the United States, Atlanta, Georgia, shows an average rate on the spot market for flatbeds at $2.18 per mile. Moving up into the Midwest, Rock Island, Illinois, checks in showing an average rate for uh, flatbeds at $2.23 per mile. That uh, actually the high water mark was actually set up in the East Coast. I'm, I, I apologize. That 303. In the South Central portion of the United States, we have Houston, Texas checking in, showing an average rate for flatbeds at $2.02 .02 per mile. And rounding out the report and bringing up the rear, this time out on the West Coast, Phoenix, Arizona checks in, showing an average rate for flatbeds at $1.69 per mile on the spot market for the previous week. Moving over to the reefer segment of the uh, reefer and demand capacity report of this DAT report, low postings increased 19% for reefers last week and truck capacity declined 5%. That yielded a 25% increase in the load to truck ratio from 3.3 up to 4.1 loads per truck. The national average reefer spot market rate was unchanged compared to the previous week. This time last month, reefer load postings declined 9% in April compared to March, and truck postings added 1%. That combination led to a 10% decline in the national load-to-truck ratio from 3.1 to 2.8 loads per truck. Compared to April of 2015, the ratio slid by 54%. So things are actually looking much better right now compared to what it was last month. And let's quickly jump over into the reefer rates. For the 22nd through the 28th of May, reefer rates held steady last week at a national average of $1.87 per mile, despite a seasonal increase in demand. Checking in across the country, starting in the northeastern portion of the United States. Elizabeth, New Jersey checks in, showing an average rate on the spot market at $1.52 per mile. Lakeland, Florida checks in, the southeastern portion of the United States representative city, showing an average rate of $1.81 per mile coming out of Lakeland, Florida on the spot market. Moving into the midwestern portion of the United States, Green Bay, Wisconsin, 
as always, leading the pack, showing $2.24 as the national spot market average coming out of the Midwest. The average rate coming out of the south central portion of the United States out of McAllen, Texas, showing $1.88 per mile. And rounding out the report, we have Fresno, California checking in, showing average spot market rates for reefers at $2.03 per mile coming out of Fresno. And I'm looking on my screen. I don't see Chuck. I believe, you, I believe you're on the line, Chuck. Go ahead and press number one so we can try to get you up and on board with us. Um, there we go. I think we got them. Let's, we're going to get the screener to get Chuck plugged in. While we're waiting on that, um was just scrolling through the Internet and saw a interesting order, uh, article by Ty Deals of Overdrive Magazine talking about the upcoming road check. And he has an article on there called The, uh, the, the, road, check, the road Check Effect takes two, 10 toughest states to, for tire violations. Which, uh, of course, unless you've been living under a rock this year, they are supposed to be, the main focus is supposed to be on tires. And he has a report on here of the 10 toughest states for tire violations. And those top 10 states that he has listed from his research is the state of Maine, Missouri, Ohio, Alabama, Mississippi, Montana, California, North Carolina, Texas, and Oregon. So once again, uh, just want to make sure that you are prepared. As our good friend Dale Howard always tells us, don't look like a wounded gazelle and you shouldn't make it through road check just fine. Make sure your truck's clean, that you, you're up on your maintenance and everything. But uh, just a reminder, just a, a bit of advice, if you're traveling through any of those 10 states, just want to probably make sure that you're doing, going the extra mile and making sure all your stuff is in order on the things that they will be checking for over road check. And I think we're still trying to get Chuck screened in, so we're going to be, give us just a second. And there we go. Chuck, are you there? I am, Rico. How are you? I'm well, and yourself? We're doing well up here. Thank you. You know, good deal, good deal. Well, you are just mentioning about road check and the, the worst states, but you know what? You've got to be prepared for the rest of them, too. Um, just because you're not traveling through one of those states, if you've got a tire wearing uh, something that's going to get you in trouble, for God's sake, it's so much easier to pull into a tire shop or you know, at a truck stop and get it fixed ahead of time than it is calling a tire man out to the side of the road at the at the scale because they're going to just rob you. Absolutely, and it, and it kind of we can kind of use that to kind of go into a little bit what we were going to talk about tonight, which is some of the philosoph uh, philosophical reasons why a lot of small trucking companies fail, and that is you know uh, saying that to say you can't be sliding your your maintenance. You got to make sure that you are up on top of your maintenance because. It's either pay me now or pay me later. And if you wait to the pay me later portion of it, 
it gets more expensive. The more the more you put it off, the more expensive it gets. Rico, it's part of what it, it, that's part of what we need to do it, in order to stay in business. You can't part of you know we have to deliver freight, but we have to deliver it on time and we have to deliver it in safe vehicles. And it's all part of the same thing. It's all integrated. And if your business model does not allow you to do any of those, then you need to get the hell out of the business or relook at what you're doing. Well, Chuck not one to mince any words, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so, Chuck, before we really get into the crux of the matter, you want to kind of give us a little bit of a review for those of us that didn't get an opportunity uh, to tell us and rub it into us a little bit that what we missed out at the CMC and the uh, Council Bluffs. Rico, first of all, I will not rub it into you because you were probably one of the only people out there that had a good bona fide reason not to show because for those of you that don't know, Rico's daughter graduated uh, during the week of the, uh, the week we spent in Council Bluffs. But for the other ones, I want you all to give yourself a kick right in the ass because you deserve it because that was your opportunity for the year to better yourself in a real rough industry and become better and become more knowledgeable. Uh, the way Kevin and Lisa set it up this year was just, it, you can't even compare it with other years, Rico. Um, they did it in such a way they had three lanes, um, lane one, two, and three, addressing different issues so that you didn't, you know, somebody that was um, that was after maintenance information he could spend time in lane one for example and somebody that wanted other information could spend their time in date in lane two and people that wanted information on profitability and things like that were in lane three and for the most part other than the parts where they had their guest speakers that were speaking to to the entire audience um the 380 smart people that went and i gotta say that those are 380 of the smartest people in our industry because they took that five and some of them took a little bit longer. Some of them took seven and eight days off, off of their work and, and went out to Council Bluffs, which, by the way, is just an amazing place. It's just over the bridge from Omaha. And I've been to Omaha many times in my life, but I hadn't been through there probably in a good 10 years. And it's an amazing little city. It just blew me away. Um, it's growing. It's got a great area. But getting back to what Kevin and Lisa did, um, they had just a really amazing setup there. It was in a, um, a basically a sports complex, where like a big arena where they uh, they they play sports and have uh, rock venues and things like that. And there was plenty of room. There was more room than they knew what to do with. But I think in future years they'll have no problem. Uh, making better use of some of the room. Great big, beautiful parking lot. Um, place was surrounded. They could not have picked a better venue. It was surrounded by about five hotels. Um, you were about, I'm guessing, uh, maybe a seven-minute, eight-minute drive from downtown Omaha. You could actually almost see it from um, from the parking lot. You could just kind of outline it. Um, and everybody had a chance to learn and to better themselves, there were a number of guest speakers. I think my favorite one of it of all was a gentleman named Dan Baker. Uh, my God, Rico, if you want oh, to see yeah. 380 grown men uh, cry, you had to be in that room. Uh, 
and he had us from laughter to tears. He was just, he was the best. And of course, all, all the regulars were there. Uh, it was just, it was a great five days. We learned a lot. Um, and listen, I, I'm not going to say I know everything. I'm far from it. And I learned a lot. Um, and I was able to share what I know with people. People shared what they know with, with everybody else. It was just, um, it was just an amazing uh, venue. They, they did it first class. And I give them kudos for that. They they really went out on a limb this time, got out of their comfort zone. You know what Kevin's always preaching to everybody about the hard work? Well, my God, they did it this time. And it's a great lesson to all of us how you get out there in business, because that's their business, obviously, they're part of it. And you stretch yourself sometimes. And you get out of your comfort zone. And, my God, they did it. And it was just it was just an amazing success. It really was. Cool beans, cool beans. Well, all right. Well, we won't hold up anymore. We'll get jump right into the crux of the matter there, Chuck. Lay it on us. What is what are some of the things that, because we were talking about a little earlier, we were talking about the amount of people that are looking to jump in, and, and this is kind of, kind of delves a little bit into uh, um, some of what Kenny Long gets into on Tuesday nights. But, you know, the amount of people that are, that are talking about or exploring the option of wanting to start their own business as becoming a motor carrier and, and wanting to, you know, really are in, excited, sometimes uh, maybe a little bit half-cocked, but what are some of the reasons and some of the things that help uh, um, well, help, not help, but uh, hurt new people getting getting ready to make the leap into becoming a carrier. You know, the the biggest common denominator, number one, there's, there were two that I found. And I spent, just so you know, um, I spent from 9 o'clock in the morning till 8 o'clock at night doing what we called one-on-ones. And I gave people half-hour segments of my time from Monday to Thursday. And over and over and over again, one of the common denominators, the biggest common denominator I found for people that were headed for disaster were people that were, were going to start their own trucking service and get their own authority that didn't have enough money. And I don't think that having $2,500 in the bank is enough money to go out and get your own authority. And I don't care if you have... A, a you know good credit or a line of credit or anything else you do need some of your own money and i wouldn't venture if i was somebody doing that you want at least on the worst day if everything is perfect at least ten thousand dollars minimum before you do this and that's like that's the skinny side you really should have more but when i hear people you know and i spoke to people coming in and i said well how much money have you got and they said, you know, $2,500. Um, and, you know, for some, some of them had $2,500 that they scrimped and saved. And they were proud of that. And I wasn't there to belittle them. Uh, $2,500, you know, to them was a lot of money, but it still wasn't enough. And that's where people get into so much trouble. They'll get into trouble uh, on their credit cards because they'll have to start borrowing money on credit cards and not paying off the, the balance. And, and you know what those interest rates are like. They're 18 to 
24%. Uh, they're using factoring companies. They're using, uh, you know, they're using trade discounts. They're doing everything and right throughout their business. And that's where they're getting into trouble. The other thing that I found was that people wanted to get into business but had no business plan. They had no idea. They wanted to just get out, get their own authority, and go trucking. And like I, right. I was able to um, to give my annual speech there, and you know it's like building a house. You don't go and build a you know one day decide you're going to build a bungalow, and next day you're going to put up a skyscraper. You you have a plan. You have a business plan, and you stick to it. And mm-hmm. Some of these people, now some people came to me for advice and they had sound business, um, you know, sound business plans and uh, great business logic. And, you know, some of them had it like 100%. Some of them didn't see the opportunities that they had right before their nose. And they're telling me the stories. And that's so common, you know, the old expression, you can't see the forest for the trees. And right. Some of the people that I got a chance to meet, and it was a pleasure meeting them, had they had little gold mines that they didn't even realize that they were involved in. And by talking to them and asking questions, all of a sudden they realized that, you know what, they needed to just tweak their business plan. Their business plans were, were pretty solid, but they could be even a little bit better. And those are the things that have to be done. So... It's great that you that somebody wants to go out there and get their own authority. That I think that's good. But number one, you got to have some money behind you. Um, number two, so now, you need uh, a uh, quick, quick, real quickly. The some of the people that you were talking to that were talking about getting their own authority. Now, were these company drivers or were these individuals that actually already owned the truck and were just wanting to have more control? I would say about 90% uh, already owned the truck and were seeking more control. And the other 10% were company guys that were wanting to buy a truck uh, because they had a deal. Uh, You know, there was one gentleman there that had, uh, and this guy was a hustler. He was good. Um, He had a deal somewhere with a shipper that was shipping product out of, um, I think, out of Maryland or somewhere, going down to South Carolina, and he had a, you know, he had a steady deal ready to go, and he was ready to buy. That's what you want. Oh yeah, you know, he had the, uh, you know, he had, he had a lot more than some of the guys that own their own trucks. Um, right. So he was ready to rock. Um, you know, there was another, you know, there was another guy there in a similar position one of them it was funny one of them had the uh, outbound and one of them had the inbound but they were both real solid characters they both of them had money so buying uh buying a truck wasn't going to be an issue there was another gentleman i met and he was pretty typical um he was um he was on with a he was on with a company um he uh he was running somewhere in the northeast and hard-working guy, but um, didn't have any money, and he wanted to um, he wanted to buy a truck and lease it on with the company where he was driving. 
but they weren't giving him a lot of miles as a driver, nor were they set up to hire owner-operators. And I said, well, my God, man, if you're going to – and he didn't, have any, he didn't have enough money. So I said, but, you know, if you want to do anything, go and get more money and then go buy a truck and lease it on somewhere where they do hire lease operators rather than go somewhere and, and I try think, to reinvent the wheel. And I think that that, that part right there is, is kind of a two-pronged approach, patience and persistence. Um, yes. You've got to have enough patience to make sure that you're not, uh, that, you know, that, that the, the boat is close enough to the dock before you try to jump in it. Because if it's still out in the middle of the lake somewhere, you know, you're going to come up all wet. Okay. And, 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 but, but, but having the persistence to, uh, um, even if you misjudge your, you, you know, you, you misjudge the distance when you're jumping off that dock, to have the persistence to, to say, okay, I'm going to get up and ring myself off and be ready to try again. Because, uh, uh, you know, they always say, um, Winners never quit, and, and I heard Dave Ramsey say, one of my favorite people say, that's not true. Winners just quit doing stupid, stupid things. <laughs> so you have to be, uh, you have to use some intelligence when doing, you know, with, with some of the things, especially when it comes to doing business. And and um, you know, maybe you can speak on that portion of it as far as the patience and the persistence portion. You know, Rico, what that's all about really is having a business plan. If you have a business plan, then you won't get into that. And the patience and persistence will balance out because you've got a plan. And it, let's take it to if you were building a house and you had a plan and things weren't going as planned, you go back to the plan and you look and you see where, where are things going wrong. And you can fix it one way or another. And right. that's where we always in this industry get into trouble is we get into something with no plan. And there's not enough money in this business right now for people to make silly, you know, silly decisions. There's just not. You know, trucks are expensive. And, and uh, Well, I was going to say uh, uh, bring another uh, portion into it something else that that I that you know in my opinion we lose we lose focus easily and that's why the plan is so is so important. I think that you know even this big companies fall susceptible to this. I mean because you take a look at look at BlackBerry. I mean BlackBerry was at one point in time one of the top was the top smartphone producer it was and and now they're almost none existed. I mean you look at uh you know uh uh, uh Nokia. Just looking at the different cell phones that were at one point in time, you know, the king of the hill and how uh, a company that wasn't even in the cell phone making business just came out of nowhere, you know, Apple, and, and just basically destroyed everything in its sight. Um, it's, it's the lack of focus or, or maintaining the, the focus of what it is where your audience is moving to because business is always changing. Business is always adapting. Even in the business that we do that's so commoditized, you, you don't want to – we always talk about not wanting to have the rush to the, 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 the race to the bottom, but the way that you avoid that race to the bottom is, is that relationships, you know, building those relationships, relational marketing, 
so that you, you, you people are going to pay for, uh, be willing to pay a little bit more for the the relationship aspect that you may bring versus just a transactional situation. Hundred percent. And none of us that are listening are big enough to 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 handle the storm of the transactional. You need the relationship because, you know, the people that are listening are are people that have one truck or maybe five trucks. And if you're not a big, big, big player, and I'm talking about a big player, you you don't have a chance at those transactional. You'll get creamed. So you've got to find the ones. And even if those relations to start with are with good brokers, that's where you start. And then you start looking for your own customers to fill in. So give us some points and tips, you know, that that some of the things that we definitely, we talked about the money aspect, making sure that we got enough money. How about once you start feeling like, feeling like you're doing pretty good, what about being aggressive in your growth pattern? Is that, is that you know, was that, I've heard that that's been a, a major hurdle for a lot of people to get over is being too aggressive and trying to grow too quickly. And then also the flip side of that coin is not being aggressive enough and growing too slowly. Right. <laughs> there's a fine, there's a fine, there's a fine balance that needs to be happen that needs to happen there. Can can you speak to that a little bit? I can because I've had experience. I've had personal experience. Um, what you do have to watch out for in any business, especially our business, because it's so capital intensive, is unmanaged growth. So, again, you're going to go back to your business plan. And, and there will be opportunities that are going to come up for everyone. Everyone listening is going to get some great opportunities somewhere. And you really need to take a look at those opportunities, and, and you've got to make some tough decisions um, in your in your future when you're running a trucking company and people are going to offer you excess you know extra freight and that extra freight means that you're going to have to go out on a limb and buy more trucks and more trailers and hire more drivers and and that's fine because that's how we all grow every one of us but you just have to be careful you know you're going to go out and buy these trucks and trailers for the one customer and what happens if that one customer closes up or decides all of a sudden they're going to move their freight on, on rail or, or they lose their big customer? So that's, that's where we are all so vulnerable. You know, the great big companies, the Swifts and, and the uh, J.B. Hunts and, and all those guys, you know, if they need to put 20 trucks in on a job, they can do that on a phone call. Uh, most of us, in order to do something like that, have to uh, have to mortgage everything plus some and that's where we get killed because you see you put you're going out on the limb quite often when somebody else isn't so what you always want to do where you can and you can't always do this trust me but if you're going to if a customer says listen i you know i'm going to need 20 trucks and you've got to go out on the limb and buy 20 trucks you would definitely want to have some sort of a, a contract of some sort that is, and I realize it's tough to get contracts that are valid, but you've got to be so careful because I think that the, the 
biggest killer, as I said, is unmanaged growth. Now, I've seen people many a time where overnight, you know, they have just grown from three trucks to 50 trucks. And 98% of the time, those companies don't make it. You'll see those 50 trucks, uh, you know, you'll, you'll see them up on the auction block, usually within the year or so. Uh, sometimes it takes a little bit longer. Sometimes it takes less time. And it's because the, the people that bought those 50 trucks, uh, they just weren't capable of, of running them because it's a whole different, as you grow, the uh, expertise to, to run five trucks and the expertise to run 10 trucks is a, it's totally different. And same as the expertise to run 10 trucks and run 20 trucks, it becomes different again. So as long as you're willing to either learn or hire people, and you're going to have to hire people, and that's the other thing you have to remember, is as your business grows, you're going to have to um, expand inside as well. My old accountant, Lou, used to call it, refer to it as the step function in accounting. So if you had 10 trucks, you would have two dispatchers. And if you had 20 trucks, you'd have to get three or four dispatchers. But what would happen is at some point, at 20 trucks, you wouldn't make any money because your inside cost for dispatchers was so darn high. And that is part of the step function, and that's where guys get killed. And again, where you get killed when you're expanding is by not having that business to support those investments that you're making. And that's where you have to be so careful. Now, Go ahead. I, well, I don't want to uh, hog up everything. we got a bunch of callers on the line. If anyone has any questions pertaining to anything that we're talking about or if you just got a question in general for Chuck or myself, you can go ahead and press number one, and we will, we welcome your participation uh, with us tonight. Uh, now, Chuck, tell us, if you can, give us a little bit of history on your growth, on um, when is, when where were you when you started to make your expansions and how did that, you know, kind of unpack that a little bit for us and tell us, if you don't mind, walk us through how, how that scenario went for yourself. Okay, well, the first expansion was I bought my first truck at 21 years old. That went okay, but it didn't go great, but I loved doing it. Um, I sold that truck a year later, kept involved in the business, uh, and about four years later, uh, what I did was I went out and I actually rented a tractor and trailer from Hertz, because they used to rent them in those days, and um, ran, and then very slowly I started to rent trucks and hire drivers, and within a year we had about a dozen of them, and we did over a million dollars in business, and that was in 1978. And my business partner at the time said to me, you know, this is good, but I think we should get into brokerage uh, because we were dealing with some brokers in the U.S., and that's where Traffics was born. So we went and we sold that trucking arm, and uh, Traffics was born, and then we started to um, hire salespeople. And, you know, the first couple of years was, was lean, and, uh, and then what eventually happened, and we picked up some great accounts along the way. Uh, we picked up some really good accounts 
you know, after a couple of years, some automotive accounts, especially, and this was back in the glory day where automotive freight was paying $4 a mile. And, and diesel fuel was about wow. 50 cents, uh, 70 cents right. a gallon. Maybe it was a little bit more, but not much more. Um, and this was in the, around 1980. And, uh, and we, we had some trucks, in the background, but not under the name of traffic. So it was strictly brokerage. And move forward, um, there was a change of my partner. One partner bought out the other partner, brought in a younger guy that was very aggressive. He really, him and I just really clicked and uh, took the business from about a million and a half dollars a year in brokerage uh, up to about six million, and then eventually up to ten million, and then again. Uh, through some unmanaged growth, I got it up to $17 million one year, and it was the worst year I ever had in my life. I lost so much money. Wow, $17 million. Now, say that part again. Your highest grossing year was one of your worst years. Well, at that point, now we, our gross is a lot more than that now, uh, but this was about 19, uh, 1997. I got it up to... About seventeen million dollars in sales uh, from about ten. I was just rocking and rolling, and I was um, I was turning I was turning dollars, but I was losing all over the place, out of control, no proper management, um, nothing good going for us. And um, eventually, what we did was we sold part of the business off. Um, my former partner went with that part of the business um, and we just we reorganized we cut out some satellite terminals we had in the u.s and got things down to a manageable amount at about 10 million dollars in sales and stayed there for a long 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 time uh, for years uh, just around that 10 million dollar because we we could manage that very comfortably and then I brought in two, two young guys, and I ended up selling them part of my business, uh, my son and a, and a friend of his. And then we went from $10 million to $80 million in, in the last eight years. Wow. Wow. So that, that, that's, that's, that's getting it done. And that was just on yeah. the brokerage side, or was that, was that also on the – a combination of the brokerage and the uh, asset base? Both, um, but mostly brokerage. Uh, you know, there's, there's, it's much easier to go brokerage, of course, because you don't have to go out and spend X number of dollars on a piece of equipment. You know, you don't have to go out and buy a truck for, you know, 60 or 70 or $100,000 or whatever you're going to spend. But you still need trucks to do it. Um, our trucks are still, you know, we're still running a fleet of trucks, but, you know, the fleet of trucks are there to service our needs more than anything. Absolutely. You know, we Absolutely. have great so, relationships with carriers, you know, and some of our carriers are one truck operators and some of them run, um, some of them are quite large. And, you know, we use them on steady runs all the time because we're able to, you know, and, and they just, it's a great relationship. Um, we know that Eddie is in Pittsburgh, you know, every Wednesday with a flatbed and he's trying to get to North Carolina. So we are always looking for a load for Eddie or we have a steady load for Eddie every Wednesday. You know, we do those sorts of things wherever we can. 
So for the future Chuck Snows that may be on the line listening, what would the, what would advice with the Chuck Snow of today give the younger Chuck Snow of yesterday? Stay focused. Uh, stay focused. Uh, work your business plan. But make your business plan and follow it. Uh, plan your work and work your plan. Don't get, you know, don't get deviated to the side. You know, something looks a little bit better, a little bit more interesting. Just stay focused on what you do. You'll be fine. There's going to be let's, tough times. Let's un- get through it. Let's unpack that just a little bit more. Um, okay. By focus, I'll say I'm, a, I'm going to say we'll play a little bit of a. Uh, play off of one another just a little bit here. When you, you're saying being focused, that means determine what it is exactly that you want, uh, whether that means uh, if you want to have your own fleet or grow your own, your, your, you know, begin to grow your fleet, where, where are your, what is your service area? And just like you were just talking about with your guy, Eddie, you, you know that he's going to be in a certain area of the country some people they they think it's so difficult, you know, because we we that goes back to losing that focus because we want to try to make sure that we're putting food on the table, so we're willing to go outside of our pre predefined uh, uh, service area so we can try to keep some revenue on the truck. That's can you exactly speak it. to how important it is to resist that urge that urge and to remain focused on servicing that particular? Uh, um, service area so that you maintain that focus, you stay within your business plan. Well, Rico, look at the manufacturing. Let's just take the manufacturing sector for a second, okay? Let's take a plant in your country that builds Ford F-150 pickup trucks. I don't care if, I, I don't care if the Pope went in there today or, or the President of the United States went in and asked them to build a, a Mustang or a Corvette or a Lincoln or anything, they wouldn't do it. They, that plant built, it is tooled for F-150 pickup trucks. That's it. Run your business like that. If you have a business where you run your, you run your assets between Philadelphia and Portland, Maine, stay on 95 Highway. Don't go down to Florida because what happens is, and this is where we're always shooting ourselves, you go down for that great load to go to Florida because it's $3 a mile and somebody told you the melons are running right now. And the customer that's giving you business 51 weeks a year on that 52nd week calls you and says, hey, Joe, I got a load for you from Portland to um, to Bangor or to uh, Portland, Maine to Philadelphia, and say, "I'm sorry, uh, I'm in Fort Lauderdale." Well, you know, he's going to call the next guy. That's where that relationship comes in. That's right. And right. We all go to. Why do we go to our favorite, let's say, steakhouse or Chinese restaurant or sushi bar? If you went to your favorite sushi bar and the guy uh, served you a plate of spaghetti, you're not going back. Right. And it's the same thing. Um, you know, we, we, need to, we need to have lanes, especially, for God's sake, now with what's going on. Um, you know, your country's going crazy and our country's following with, um, you know, the electric or, or the electronic logs. And now the FDA has gone crazy. Right. I guess they have nothing to do. Uh, so they're mixing it up as well. Things are getting tougher out there. We need to, we all need to go back to our roots 
and our roots were years ago everybody had a lane and that's how it worked and and you just did your lane and then during the 80s especially i guess um what happened was things opened up because of deregulation and people all of a sudden could go from coast to coast and i want to remind our listeners that up until i believe it's 1960 there were no coast-to-coast truck lines in the United States. So what would happen is you would take one carrier would haul, you know, haul a, carry, a haul load in his state or in his two or three states and then hand that trailer off to a partner carrier, and the load would just get relayed right across the country. And I believe it was CF was the first one in 1960. Now we've come a long way, but I think we need to go backwards. Because that's the only way we're going to and, get use of our assets. And another thing that we, um, you know, just just trying to tie everything together. Um, there's been a bit, a lot of talk here lately. I've been seeing some different stuff on social media about another uh, a, a trucking boycott or a trucking uh, strike. Um, I, I find that. More and more, I believe. Believe me, I, I, I definitely believe that there's definitely a, a power and strength in numbers. But there is a lot. It's real dangerous when you have a bunch of um, uneducated people that think that something is owed to them just because no one is making anyone except the rates that you're pulling for. You you do it willingly. Um, and I know it gets tough. I know it gets hard. But you, you, you have to invest in yourself and in your business. And if you don't understand that, it's one of the things that we, um, we're trying to do here by with these different platforms that we're doing. We're trying to spread as much information as, and good information as we possibly can through these different podcasts and these different formats um, to to educate yourself, to put yourself in a position of empowerment. So that you're not being taken advantage of, and and one of the the most important things that you can do is to try and don't go by the fly by night um, educational services and stuff that are out there. You know, you want to try to definitely get someone if you're going to learn from somebody, try to learn from somebody that's actually doing it, or go to the, education is fairly cheap. You can there are some online courses that are. Um, you know, logistics-based courses and things of that nature that you can pay for that's probably cheaper than a lot of the people that are advertising in the back of the, some of these trucking magazines that, that really do not make most of their money off of um, doing what it is they're teaching you to do. They make most of their money off of the classes that, that, that they are selling to you. So you <laughs> you want to be... You know, buyer beware with 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 that situ- with that whole situation. I I could probably write a book on that one myself. But um, as far as the, as far as the striking situation is concerned, I think that if we educate ourselves and and you know we talk about getting if you, and if you become more familiar with your lane, if you come become more familiar with your territory, your area that you are going to service, then that helps you. Um, begin to nail down, and you, and you should be able to know within a certain range of what you can perform in that in, in those particular areas, in that service area. You should be able to get your get your rate down to the point to where 
if if you had to advertise a rate, you could be able to advertise a rate and, and, and know that you're still going to make money and be profitable in that particular lane. Now, I'm not I'm not a proponent of, of uh, you know, you, you probably could negotiate and, and do better than putting a rate out there but you know but but if they if you had to do that i think that if you if you learned your area good enough there shouldn't be a problem with doing that and you you probably could find a lot of business doing that as well if you run your numbers and you know your numbers as good as you should you know anything you want to say on that chuck am i yeah i agree totally um that that's the you just hit the nail on the head number one it, it's hard. It's it is difficult to aver, to advertise uh, rates out there. You can do it. I've seen it done. I remember J.B. Hunt when they first came to Canada used to buy billboard space, and they ticked everybody off because you know they took you know at the, that time up until the time they came here we were getting two dollars a mile, and they bought billboard space and I think they put up uh, you know Toronto to the U.S. border. Uh, 90 cents a mile or something like that. I forget what it was, but, you know, it was effective. Um, great idea to uh, – it's a great idea to advertise if you're doing partial loads, if you're going to do, um, you know, by the skid uh, between – and that you would do that between, let's say, you know, let's say Charlotte and, uh, you know, Charlotte and Hickory or something like that, and you would charge, you know, $50 a skid or whatever – and advertise that, I think that could be effective. As far as the strikes, Rico, i got to tell you, um, I've seen, I've probably seen a good half dozen of these strikes through the years uh, since I've been in the business. None of them hold water because there's so many people out there in this business that won't participate or can't afford to participate for very long. When I was a little boy, I remember when the Teamsters Union would go on strike. And this is back in the 60s. My God, man, you couldn't buy a guitar string. Those guys had, they had pressure because all the big companies were unionized. And they had right. the, you know, they had the power. Today, you know, there could be a, a thousand guys or, or even a couple hundred thousand guys that go on strike. But in the big picture, lots of people won't go on strike. You know, uh, the big carriers, they're not about to stop pulling freight. And there's lots of little carriers out there that are regional guys are going, what am I going on strike for? I got a great deal. You know, there's not enough common denominator out there to make a strike effective. Nobody is going to, nobody's going to win anything except the guys that are working. So I can't see it. If you don't, yeah, if you don't like what you're doing, stop doing it. Take a strike from the ignorance. I mean, that, that's the main thing. Um, get out here and, and, and really come out of the comfort zone. Think outside of the box and go and, and really – and let me say this part, too, because it is tough. It is really tough trying to get direct customers, and it's not going to happen. It may not happen overnight, but that goes back to the patience and the persistence and the focus. You have to persistently continue – following up with the people that told you no. you got to keep doing that because eventually, guess what? You may – I had the uh, fortune a couple of years back when I was down in Florida, and I was just making cold calls around to a couple of the different uh, uh, watermelon sheds, and I happened to get somebody that said, you know what, yeah, um, and uh, I, I need a truck right now. Where, where are you? Can you get? When can you get here? And I'm just cold calling off of, you know, 
Now, that only happened to me once. So, you know, I'm not trying to make it make out a rosy picture that, oh, you're going to get direct customers day one. No, it's gonna, you're going to have to prepare yourself for the long haul. But be willing in developing that relationship to deliver value before you receive anything. You know, you got to be willing to go in and give something of yourself. You know, the, the old Zig Ziglar, uh, Zig Ziglar quote, quote that he uh, is famous for is, um, if you help other people get everything that they want, you'll have everything that you want. If you go in and help educate or, or drop something off with the potential uh, shipper and, and educating them, give something, giving something of yourself and delivering value to them, they're going to remember that. They're going to remember that, and that puts you higher on their on their list, so that when you're being persistent on following up, hey, just checking in, just wanting to make make sure you guys knew that I um, that we are still servicing this area right here, and you know, it, that puts you that separates you, and when the opportunity comes, guess what? That's going to be your end. How true. So. Chuck, if we're getting ready, the hour just flew by. You got anything that you want to close us out with? Do you want to let everybody know about? Um, we got a couple people. We got someone that pushed the, going to be asking the question here in just a second. But anything that you want to tell us, closing out tonight? Anything you want to share with us? How people can get in contact with you? Uh, well, that you are sure. uh, brokering uh, freight. If you want any loads, uh, we have loads throughout the U.S. Point to point in the U.S. Uh, give me a call. I'll talk to you personally. Uh, 800-388-4352, extension 203. And you can always email me, chuck at traffics.com. I get back to everybody. May not get back to you right away if I'm not in the office, but I make a habit of calling everybody back and emailing everybody back. Uh, we'll get you set up as a carrier. We'll get you paid right away. Um, we use reefers, dry vans. We use flatbed steps, uh, double drops. I've got an opportunity uh, coming up for loads coming out of Pittsburgh, going over to um, the, the Virginia-North Carolina border um, for vans and flats. That's coming up uh, fairly soon. Uh, and we work, you know, we have a lar very large produce division. We work the regular produce belts, you know, when they're busy, we're busy. Uh, so love to load all of you. Uh, we do a lot of business with people to listen to this show and people that I've met through the years through you and Kevin. So give us a call. We'd love to set you up. It's and our website is www.traffics. That's T R A F F I X.com. And they are very good and reasonable on their rates. Ladies and gentlemen, they are not, uh, none of the cheapskate stuff that you hear about uh, from some of these other big brokerages out here. They're more than reasonable. And dealing with you, I've actually done some uh, work with them as well, and uh, was very pleased and happy with the rate that we did. And just remember, ladies and gentlemen, service the hell out of you. You know, you got to remember the people that Kevin Rutherford always used to say uh, back in the day. You got to remember who your customer is. Your customer is the person that's cutting the check. You gotta you gotta do something to make sure that uh, you know you, you're delivering that exceptional quality to make them want to deal with you again because trucking is uh you know it's it's so fragmented that it is become almost completely commoditized and the only thing that you have to 
to separate yourself is that relationship and in, in your personality. So you got to be able to be, you know, use something to kind of help sell yourself because that's what you're doing. Um, Set yourself apart, Rico. One you quick note. And and one quick note, I wanted to make sure that I'm I'm uh, associated with the uh, National Minority Truckers Association, and they are going to be holding the class. I was talking about education. They're going to be holding a workshop uh, coming up on Saturday, June 25th. Now, even though it's the National Minority Truckers Association, there's no distinction on these workshops or anything like that. It's welcome and free to the public. Not this. This particular workshop is not free. I think that there is a fee associated with the one that's coming up on June 25th, and that is an introduction into brokering. Um, you can find out more about that workshop at the uh, minoritytrucker.com. You can go to minoritytrucker.com, and you can find more information there, or you can look them up on Facebook as well. Um, so there's a, they're going to be doing an introduction to brokering class, and there's also going to be an upcoming class uh, coming up about running a successful business as well, and there will be handouts and everything associated with that. And I think we're going to, we may be participating in a couple of those uh, workshops that they are going to be having. But I just wanted to put that out there as well, um, Rico, ladies and gentlemen. We're coming up. Certainly, certainly, I certainly will. I'll send you, uh, send you a link to them uh, in an email here in, in a few seconds. There, Chuck. And it looks like we thought we had a couple of questions, but nobody, screener says nobody responded to them. We, we had a bunch of people on the line tonight. Glad that everyone were, took time out of their busy schedule to participate and come along with us. We want to thank you, uh, Chuck Snow, for taking time out of your busy schedule. And we're kind of off schedule, um, but it was a good thing. Um, we kind of got off schedule with the graduation and, and a whole bunch of other stuff that was going on. So, um we may try to get you back in on, on the regular schedule. I think we normally have you on like the 23rd or somewhere in that ballpark of June. I think so. Not um, 23rd, 20, 20, the 22nd. It's normally the third. The third. Right. We actually that would put you. That would actually put you at the 15th. I think so. Somewhere in that ballpark. We're working out. We got to get you back on. Get back on okay. schedule if we can. And uh, but we would definitely. Wanted to make sure that we got you in because we missed you last month due to a couple of show cancellations, and that's one of the things that another thing that we got uh, that we're working on with this podcast. And I, I talked about it before, but to kind of wrap up tonight is consistency. You got to be consistent as well. You got to be consistent with, with 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 producing the results that you are uh, uh, for your company. And the same with this podcast. We got to try and work on getting our persistence down. Uh, a consistency down with along with our persistence on making sure that we're delivering this to you every every Wednesday at 7 p.m. So we're going to be striving and working hard to try to make sure that we make that happen. So rounding well, out tonight, we want to thank everyone. Thanks, Chuck. Thanks. And we want to thank everyone for taking time out of their schedule for joining us tonight. We want to thank the entire Less Truck team, Kenny, um, Kenny Long and his beautiful wife, Elizabeth Long. Uh, they do the shows on Tuesdays. Of course, you got uh, Kim. She does the show uh, every uh, Wednesday. Actually, her show was a little bit earlier today. Um, she did her podcast a little bit earlier today, and I think it actually airs um, on Fridays, if I'm not mistaken. And, of course, we have Mike Beckett that does his podcast every Sunday night, and Mike is just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to dealing with tires, anything, alignment issues, 
wealth, the wealth of knowledge. Uh, never get tired of, of, of looking in, at some of the stuff that Mike has out there. And, of course, Kevin and Lisa Rutherford for, for making all of this possible. They are the straw that stirs the drink, as they say. So we want to definitely give them kudos for making this possible for us to bring this uh, show and this broadcast to you. Thank you again, ladies and gentlemen. God bless you. Good night. Be safe out there. Let's work smarter, not harder. Chuck, I'll get to you in just a second. Thanks, Rico. Thanks for joining us on Rates and Lanes. If you like what you heard here, leave us a rating and review on iTunes or listen to our other shows at audioroad.letstruck.com. To get in touch with our tribe, call us at 855-800-PUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Thanks for joining us for the ride down the audio road.